Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, December 17th, 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Apple really is going to try to make all its gadget components itself, isn't it? The deeper reason why the Biden administration doesn't want you investing in Chinese tech. More on the brewing war between the gamers and the NFTers. And of course, the weekend long read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Steve Jobs used to say that at Apple, they make the whole widget. He meant software and hardware together, and on hardware, he sometimes really meant just, you know, the design of it. But we've also said recently, what with Apple making their own silicon and whatnot now, what is left beyond the, I don't know, corning glass that Apple doesn't make for, say, the iPhone at this point? Well, to that end... Notable that job listings are showing that Apple is hiring engineers for a new office in Irvine, California, to develop wireless chips that could replace Broadcom and Skyworks components. Talk about the whole widget. Someday could Apple make everything that goes into their gadgets, maybe even sourcing the sand for the silicon themselves? Quoting Mark Gurman in Bloomberg. The company is seeking a few dozen people to develop wireless chips in Irvine, where Broadcom, Skyworks, and other companies have offices. Recent job listings show that Apple wants employees with experience in modem chips and other wireless semiconductors. It's part of a broader strategy of expanding satellite offices, letting the tech giant target engineering hotbeds and attract employees who might not want to work at its home base in Silicon Valley. The approach has also helped Apple further its goal of making more of its own components. Shares of wireless chipmakers slid Thursday after Bloomberg reported on the effort. Skyworks fell by as much as 11%, marking its biggest interday plunge since March 2020. Broadcom and Qualcomm declined by more than 4% each. Apple's interest in hiring talent related to a particular technology is usually bad news for existing providers. The company has increasingly touted the importance of its in-house chip designs in making its products stand out. Intel, the industry's biggest company, has joined a growing list of chipmakers that have lost their grip on Apple products." End quote. So it happened. The U.S. has banned the ability for U.S. citizens to invest in eight Chinese companies, including DJI and Megvi, for their alleged involvement in surveilling Uyghurs and other minority groups in China. But what if I told you there is something larger going on here? What if I told you the Biden administration is concerned about U.S. investments in Chinese companies that might develop, quote, dual-use tech that could have both civilian and military applications? In other words, and I don't think I'm being too blunt about this, the U.S. government doesn't want U.S. money funding the development of technology that could be used against the U.S. in some future war. Like, they don't want us funding our own destruction? Take the lead from this piece in the Washington Post and see if I'm being hyperbolic. Quote, Last year, a fast-rising artificial intelligence company in China won a little-noticed contract from a Chinese military academy to provide battlefield command software, technology that defense experts say could become part of the military's operational network. A few months later, Goldman Sachs invested in the Beijing-based company, helping it raise $700 million, according to the company, for Paradigm. So did Sequoia Capital China, a Chinese affiliate of the prominent Silicon Valley venture capital firm, which markets funds that draw investment from U.S. university and and charitable trusts. There was nothing illegal about these investments in Four Paradigm, a seven-year-old startup whose foray into artificial intelligence has been so successful it is planning to go public in the coming weeks. 
That's because while U.S. policy bars exports of technology with military applications to China and also forbids investment in a limited list of largely publicly traded companies that the government says support China's military, Chinese companies not on the list are fair game for investors. And that means American capital may be flowing to a variety of companies developing artificial intelligence, semiconductors, and other advanced technologies that experts fear could have military or surveillance applications, as well as civilian uses, a type of technology known as dual use. The policy gap has begun to worry Biden administration officials, as well as some lawmakers and security experts who fear that U.S. investment is supporting Chinese entities whose activities may undermine U.S. national security. They are also concerned that such investment could facilitate Beijing's quest to dominate emerging technologies, giving it an advantage at a time when the U.S. and China are increasingly engaged in economic and military competition. U.S. investments in Chinese technology-based companies pose a national security risk because so many of the critical technologies the U.S. military relies on are dual-use, such as AI, cyber, satellite imagery, and the like, said Michael Brown, director of the Pentagon's Defense Innovation Unit, a Silicon Valley-based organization focused on accelerating the adoption of leading commercial technologies by the U.S. military. U.S. investments in these technologies developed in China fuel the ability of the People's Liberation Army to gain a technology edge, he said, end quote. But, you know, technology like AI, even things like semiconductors, couldn't all of these things going forward be dual use? Isn't that just the nature of all tech now? I've mentioned before that, you know, haha, Meta can't make any big acquisitions anymore because regulators around the world won't be okay with them buying anything. But meanwhile, Meta is busy buying up all the VR industry because it's moving on to the next thing, and regulators are busy fighting the last war. But what this article presupposes is, maybe not. Maybe I was also right when I said that making noise about becoming a metaverse company was enough to tip even the regulators off to the game. Sources are telling the information that the FTC opened an in-depth probe into Meta's proposed acquisition of Within, the company behind VR fitness game Supernatural, which Meta is trying to snap up for about a half a billion dollars, quote, Meta Platform's Oculus virtual reality headsets are a vital step toward creating what its CEO Mark Zuckerberg calls the metaverse, an immersive internet in which people can interact in digital spaces. In addition to building Oculus, Meta has acquired at least six companies that made some of the most popular games and other apps for the headsets, including most recently the developer of Supernatural, a VR fitness app that became a breakout hit. Meta says by owning the apps, it can pour more money into them and create better VR experiences. Meta's first five VR app acquisitions went through without a hitch because they were too small to trigger a cursory review by U.S. antitrust regulators. But those regulators are slowing down the $400 million-plus supernatural deal, according to two people with knowledge of the situation. Shortly after Thanksgiving, the Federal Trade Commission opened an in-depth probe of the acquisition, meaning Meta may not be able to finalize the acquisition for another year, assuming the agency doesn't formally challenge the deal in court, causing additional delays. The probe appears to be part of FTC Chair Lena Khan's mission to make sure the biggest technology companies don't illegally shut out the next generation of competitors in emerging computing platforms, VR in this case, by buying would-be rivals. In remarks at a conference in mid-October, Khan said agencies like hers must be on guard when powerful companies expand into new markets, including VR. She didn't mention Meta, the owner of Facebook by name. Khan said that dominant online platform companies often buy startups as part of an ecosystem play where the goal is to capture the ecosystem as a whole, end quote. By the way, I had heard that Meta never expected exercise 
to be a big part of the VR experience, but it saw how it was being adopted because, remember, well, that's why it's good to own the platform and the ecosystem yourself, right? You get to see what's popular, you get to see where the puck is going, you get to skate where the puck is going, and then, I don't know, to torture this metaphor to death, you then buy the puck? Legacy, an NFT-powered game by Peter Molyneux's 22 Cans Gaming Studio and Gala Games, planned for next year, has raised $54 million in virtual land NFT sales in less than a week, quoting Ars Technica. Described as the first-ever blockchain business sim, Legacy lets players design in-game products and buildings that are then manufactured by virtual workers in in in-game factories. Players can trade those items with other players in an open market and compete in in in-game competitions for leaderboard positions and big prizes denominated in the game's own Legacy Coin cryptocurrency. To participate in that in-game economy, though, you'll have to be a Legacy landowner. Currently, that means purchasing one of 4,661 available plots of land in a virtual re creation of London using the Gala Games Marketplace. It's unclear how many more plots of Legacy Land will eventually be made, if any. As of this writing, over 4,500 of those plots have already been pre-sold for a combined price of about 13,365 ETH, over $54 million at today's prices, according to public listings on Gala Games' site. That includes a unique Heart of London plot that sold for 220.6 ETH, or over $90,000, and 2,000 common startup deeds that sold for about 0.8 ETH, or about $3,266. Just 140 plots remain for a combined asking price of 527 ETH, or $2.148 million, end quote. Now, counter-argument time. Lots of folks have been sending me links to stories and other things about people being mad about this and mad about other games adopting NFTs as well. Again, I'm not deep enough in either the gaming world or the NFT world, so I don't have skin in either game. And that's a feature, not a bug, because I can objectively give you both sides. Like also sharing how the game Stalker 2 will no longer be adding NFTs to that game after the plan came under heavy criticism from players of the game, quoting The Verge. Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl, will no longer include NFTs, developer GSC Game World announced Thursday. The news arrives after a heavily criticized announcement Wednesday and after the studio posted and then deleted an explanation on Thursday that would initially try to explain it would, in fact, still have NFTs. Quote, based on the feedback we've received, we made a decision to cancel anything NFT-related in Stalker 2, the news statement says. The interests of our fans and players are the top priority for the team. We're making this game for you to enjoy, whatever the cost is. If you care, we care too, end quote. GSC Game World had announced Wednesday that it would be partnering with NFT platform D-Market on digital items for the game. One of the NFTs it had planned to offer would have allowed the owner to become a metahuman, which actually meant they'd be turned into a non-playable character in the game. Now those plans are scrapped. I guess this explains why the studio deleted its earlier tweet, end quote. Yes, as I say, folks have been sending me articles about similar things. Please continue to send those. Looks like the war between the NFTers and the gamers is very real, and it's just heating up. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID, and another line where a machine scans your bag. 
The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation, where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse. That laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. Real talk. 52% of men over 40 experience some form of ED between the ages of 40 and 70. But it's always been a taboo topic. Thankfully, Hims is changing that by providing affordable access to ED treatment all online. Hims provides access to clinically proven generic alternatives to Viagra and Cialis, up to 95% cheaper with options as low as $2 per dose. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor's visits. Answer a series of questions on their site and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No insurance needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash ride. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash ride for your personalized ED treatment options. Hims dot com slash ride. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Time for the weekend long read suggestions. And yes, I did, in fact, find plenty for you. For example, what if you've been doing metaverse things for years now, even before everyone was throwing that metaverse term around? Well, if you're Neantic CEO John Hankey, you crow about it, like in this interview with The Verge where he says, the metaverse is already here, and it's filled with Pokemon. Quote, over the past 50 years, the trajectory of technology has been toward mobility and ubiquity, what Xerox Park pioneer Mark Weiser would call a ubiquitous computing vision. We took a detour during COVID. That is my personal opinion. I mean, I'm a huge sci-fi fan too, so I read Neil Stevenson and William Gibson and the whole array of writers back when we founded Keyhole. I'm deep into the latest Neil Stevenson novel right now, actually. Those of us who've read the books to the end know how they end. That's a horrible vision for the future. The world has just completely gone the wrong way, and people have to escape to these virtual realities to compensate. I don't think it's how things are going to play out. I don't want it to be how things play out either. I'm a techno-optimist in the sense that I think AR, a real-world version of that metaverse, if you will, that it's about getting people outside and active and learning about their city, state, town, can help bring us back together. It can help us get reconnected with our communities and the places that we live. Those are all the things we need to do so that we can fix some of the problems we're facing here in the U.S. and probably in other countries around the world to build the future that we feel good about passing on to our kids and to the next generation, end quote. Then I'm going to throw this next one in here as a 
Another devil's advocate counter-argument about a lot of the stuff we've been talking about recently. We did that story earlier in the show about the gamer backlash to NFTs. Well, Vice did a long interview with New York City venture capital legend Josh Wolf, and let's just say that Josh is bearish on a lot of things right now. The To the Moon crash is coming, he argues. Quote, To the moon is not fundamental analysis. It's an inducement. It's an encouragement of belief. And the only thing that is fueling that rocket ship to the moon is the credulity of others, Wolf told Motherboard. These are all pressure tactics, weaponized to induce people to be greater fools. And it's almost like a pyramid scheme. Get the next people in, and those people have every incentive to tell their friends. Yeah, I just made, you know, 20-50% in a day, and you got to get in on this too. But they're not going to be ringing the bell at the top and saying it's time to sell, because when we're there, it's a rush to the exit. And that's when you see mass downturn, end quote. The market today reminds Wolf in many ways of the same forces that were so prominent at the height of the dot-com boom, and perhaps no single person better encapsulates the moment than the world's richest man, Elon Musk. Motherboard spoke to Wolf about the worrying signs he sees and the downside of prioritizing hype over fundamentals, end quote. Sometimes my job with this show is to just keep you up to date with the weird tech things that you might not be aware of. For example, has your social media feed been filled lately with these really horny ads for new narrative games? Well, from The Guardian, quote, Mildly tamer versions of this ad have been bombarding me on social media for months now. You might have seen them yourself. They're for an array of different mobile games like Choices, Whispers, Chapters, Episode, which each offer a range of visual interactive stories, usually romantic, in which you control a protagonist and periodically make narrative choices that affect the story's outcome. Depending on which demographic boxes the algorithm has slotted you into, you probably get variations of these ads as well. Makeover games, home renovation games, pimple-popping games that are also inexplicably about running a restaurant. Against my every instinct for mental self-preservation, morbid curiosity drove me to download as many of these games as I could find to learn more about these deeply chaotic ads and the companies behind them. In the great tradition of Merge Mansion, the Whispers ad promises a scenario the game itself doesn't actually deliver. I know, because I played it, and many games like it. For dozens of hours over several weeks, my free time was given over to seducing princes, being rescued from raging floodwaters by dreamy ranch hands, and having toured affairs with CEOs who hired me to babysit their kids, end quote. Also, one more big trend piece I want you to be aware of. Let me introduce you to Matter. It is the interoperable smart home standard that Apple, Amazon, Google, and a lot of other folks are getting on board with. Goodbye, walled garden. Hello, industry standard. Quoting from The Verge. What the smart home needs and has long needed is a universal connectivity standard, a basic level of common plumbing in our homes for everything to flow through. Just as we chose VHS over Betamax in the 80s and Blu-ray over HD DVD in the early 2000s for a better home theater experience, so we need to choose a smart home standard. That's where matter comes in. Buy a gadget, plug it in, and it'll work with the rest of your smart home. Set up that new device with your favorite smart home app and control it with your voice assistant of choice no matter who made it. This may sound like some distant smart home nirvana, but this is the promise of matter. The simple smart home could be just around the corner. An open source connectivity standard created by over 200 companies, matter is a communications protocol that leverages existing technologies, thread, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and Ethernet, to allow all of your devices to communicate with each other locally without the need for a cloud, end quote. 
So read that to learn about the future coming to your home real soon now. And finally, just for fun, maybe like a lot of folks, you've been watching The Chess online lately. So from the Wall Street Journal, the story about how Magnus Carlsen, the greatest chess player of his generation, has thrived in a sport that seemingly was solved recently by computers. And he's thriving by being more human. Quote, Chess engines have become so widely available that even beginners have access to instant analysis tools that study positions 18 moves deep. At the cutting edge, they are so sophisticated that grandmasters have a range of -of state-of-the-art engines to choose from, each one with its own styles and quirks. Before the 2018 championship, the first ever in which all the classical games ended in draws, a new neural network-based engine called Leela Chess Zero ushered in an even more advanced era. By playing hundreds of millions of games against itself, the computers were growing more powerful all the time. Some worried that they were turning human players into pawns. So the job of being a chess grandmaster became as much about grasping the subtleties of the Petrov defense as knowing how to wrangle the limitless amount of suddenly available data. That's why competitors at the World Championship now pick their teams of cornermen, fellow grandmasters known as seconds, based on who might best manipulate the power of the engines to predict their opponent's behavior and prepare an opening surprise. But here's the twist. The most lethal use of computer-based analysis isn't to find something that only the machine can see. It's figuring out what it sees and dismisses that might still be useful. The dream of any computer-savvy chess player is to discover a string of moves that an engine doesn't necessarily favor, yet taps into a line that their opponent hasn't prepared. That's the holy grail, said Grandmaster Christian Chirilla, who assisted world number four Fabiano Cararuna when he faced Carlsen for the world championship in 2018. If you can get there, that's a huge advantage, end quote. Yeah, so the New York City COVID wave is real, I guess. We were supposed to head to Michigan tomorrow to visit my in-laws, but we'll see. Either you'll hear me on my road mic coming at you from Michigan next week, or I'll still be here. Who knows? P.S. That Twitter space we did wrapping up the biggest tech stories of the year is in a similar sort of Schrodinger's box-like state. I will either release that this weekend or hold it for next week for probably the 23rd, because right before the holidays, news slows to a crawl, typically, so I'll either keep that in reserve to avoid making a show with nothing to talk about, or I don't know, we'll see. You will hear from me on Monday for sure, but what you'll hear before that, if anything, or where you'll hear me from is very much TBD. Fun times. Be safe, everybody. Be well. Talk to you on Monday.